0: I'm Isabel. I'm Morgan. And this is Romance, A podcast about romance novels. About abductions. About Vikings. About living on your own on a fjord.
1: It's about slavery.
0: It's about long-standing blood feuds.
1: It's about historical serial killers.
0: <laughs> it's about good horses.
1: It's about good dogs.
0: It's about settling.
1: But most of all, it's about that first thing.
0: Romance novels. And ourselves.
1: We have kicked off this year with a month dedicated to Johanna Lindsay, and this marks the end of that project.
0: It's over now,
1: the music of oh, Johanna Lindsay. <laughs> it's true. We are actually never going to read another Johanna Lindsay again.
0: Not for this podcast, but I'm, def gonna but I'm definitely going to dive back into these bought waters. i the whole
1: Mallory series. Can confirm. And we're also like two-thirds of the way through the hard rad series as it is. Speaking of which, the subject of this week's episode was voted on by you, the listeners, via our Twitter, via our Instagram. Follow us if you don't already. We have a great time talking romance. We share stuff. We love to laugh. We love to cry. Anyways, follow us on social media if you haven't already so that you can participate in this kind of thing. But... We asked our listeners which Viking-themed book. Joanna Lindsay has a couple of Viking series, but which Viking-themed book we should read for January, And the overwhelming majority voted for Fires of Winter. And who could blame you? What a baller-looking cover.
0: What a baller cover. What a bonker story. I get it.
1: We'd already read a hard... Horror- Strad Heard mm-hmm. series book with our Surrender My Love, which mm-hmm. you gave to me, not without irony,
0: not without irony, not
1: no. without irony after we did A Pirate's Love. I cracked it open one blustery evening and just fell in love and we talked about it for the show. And it's actually that chasm between Surrender My Love and A Pirate's Love that inspired this conversation about Joanna Lindsay that would eventually become Johannuary for us. So the Heartbound series, very near and dear to our hearts and our heart dreads. and I think obviously to the
0: Johanna Lindsay fandom especially after we all heard the news about Johanna Lindsay's passing a lot of folks talked about this series and how competent brave fight To your last fingernail, heroines were Mm -hmm. so inspiring. And this Viking series really delivers that kind of heroine.
1: It certainly does. You know, not just in the literal sense. Please go back and listen to our episode on Surrender My Love. Please read Surrender My Love if you haven't. I would say it's certainly my top 10, maybe even my top 5 romance novels that I've read. I absolutely adore it. Okay, I don't have a back cover for this one. You can look it up online. Can we do that?
0: A master storyteller who spins romantic fiction like no other, Johanna Lindsay weaves together endearing characters, enthralling adventure, and pulsating passion to create stories that touch the hearts of her readers. Pulsating passion. Fires of winter. The Viking invaders came from across an icy sea. Taking Lady Brenna as their captive, but the dauntless Celtic beauty swears that no barbarian will ever be her master. Not even the handsome and powerful brute Garrick Heradrad blah blah blah. Heradrad
1: Hardrad <laughs> bah. bah made up
0: <laughs> impossible. The son of ruthless Viking chieftains. Garrick is accustomed to getting what he wants as he claims his exquisite prize with a primitive abandon that leaves Brenna breathless. Yet it is Garrick's gentle soul that undoes the lady's resolve. For even as she plots vengeance she vowed, Brenna cannot ignore that wonder of his kisses.
1: The wonder of his kisses. The tenderness of his touch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or deny the flames of a newly lit passion that blazes like starfire through the cold Nordic night.
1: I remember that like starfire through the cold nordic nights. <sighs> Indeed. I know exactly where I want to start.
0: Let's begin there.
1: Best opening to a romance novel ever yeah so the book opens with a weary traveler in medieval right england yeah please feel free to correct me on twitter or instagram or facebook or you know text me if you have that if you're privy but yeah so a lonesome traveler stumbles into a quiet village and is shocked to find there are no men
0: Mm -hmm. Uh lucky day
1: he is invited in by a winsome lass Mm -hmm. for a cup of water it's very hot outside and he decides he's gonna rape her Then we go to her perspective, and she's decided she's going to seduce him. And marry him. And marry him, because she's actually been around the block a few times, and she hasn't had a lot of luck in her village and her small town, Mm -hmm. basically, with finding a husband. And she's like, this guy seems great. My dad is going to be psyched. My dad who's out hunting this hog or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have to know that I am loose or yeah, uh, this guy doesn't... enjoy
0: my sexual pleasure where I get it.
1: Yeah, this guy isn't going to have any hang-ups about my sexual experience, blah, blah, blah. And so you kind of have this thing of like, oh, something farcical is going to happen. But then it subverts again. Yep. And he holds a knife to her throat and begins raping her. And yep. you're like, oh boy, it's pirate's love all over again. The yep. hero and the heroine. But then it subverts it again. A gallant knight comes in. A boy. The guy in the bus with his sword. Yeah.
0: Hard enough to draw blood. Hard enough
1: to draw blood. Stops the rape. Is like, oh my God, get this guy out of here. And then it subverts again when we discover that this is Lady Brenna who got thrown from her horse who's in heat and had to abandon the hunt and just stumbled upon this. And this is our heroine. What's
0: even better is that she comes upon the village. She's sore and she's like in her boy's outfit. And she's like, why is this door shut? because they're open because it's hot out. And one of the other village ladies is like, oh, this guy came walking in and you know what so-and-so's like. And she's like, well, she only gives her favors to people that she wants to. So are we sure that she's okay? And then she opens the door and the villager is clearly not okay. And she immediately intervenes. And I was like, holy shit, this book was published in 1980 because like, wow, not a pirate's love. We're doing so much good work. That was a really good opener. Yeah.
1: It wasn't Pirate's Love until it was Pirate's Pirates Love.
0: Which I think is like this book more than any other Johanna Lindsay novel feels like Johanna Lindsay (laughs) wrestling with herself. Like it is the things where it's like here's a person who enjoys sex. I'm not going to shame her in her own perspective. The fact that other people shame her sucks. But she has to be punished.
1: Yeah, but she has to be punished. I don't think it's so much Johanna Lindsay wrestling with herself. I feel like Johanna Lindsay is actually very confident. I feel like this is the work of like a confident writer. You know we were laying out our characters and our movements in the text and I was like oh this is too many villains and I'm like no it's not yeah. like they all have a specific purpose and I was like well this is too many brothers and I was like no it's not they mm-hmm. all have a specific job. She is very much at her peak like well edited great twists and turns mm-hmm. fabulous adventure mm-hmm. thrills um, actual viewed,
0: surprises
1: hot cha cha sexy scenes like it's all there I just think it's the worldview Mm -hmm. and I don't want to cross this bridge yet but I see it in the distance I see us approaching it and it is what is the pedagogy of a Joanna Lindsay romance novel Because I feel like it's different than any other pedagogy. I think I'm going to have to pull from all of our previous experience and I think we're going to have to really get into this book before I'm willing to like articulate it outside of like, you know how when I text people and it's just one word and Mm -hmm. an exclamation point Mm -hmm. and I feel like it conveys a lot but Mm -hmm. it just scares and confuses people. Mm -hmm. I feel like at this point I would just say a word like, SPITE! (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be right. So I need to think it through. I need to talk it through more
0: I think that's fair. And so I'd like to start with our heroine, Brenna. Great. She is totally in male garb.
1: She don't know she's beautiful.
0: But she also likes to be in male garb. She's most comfortable there. Her dad wanted a son, raised her that way. Yeah. She had a stepmother that she wasn't super into. And she has this stepsister, Cordella, that's super mean to her all the time.
1: Yeah. and Married stepsister.
0: Married stepsister whose husband is secretly into Brenna, which causes all this tension, which Brenna, Brenna doesn't, doesn't know. know. She's
1: beautiful. Of
0: course. But or she, she
1: knows she's beautiful, she just doesn't know what it means.
0: Right. And Brenna's character is that she really likes being in leggings. She really likes being <sighs> yes. in shirts she has freedom of movement. It makes it easier to do things. It she just it likes it. it
1: to do the things that she wants to do. Right. Because she loves writing. She, she does. loves sword play. She loves hunting. She's really good at it. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned, her father basically raised her as a boy. And those are the activities she's interested in. Unlike Jesse from the previous novel, mm-hmm. Brenna really flourishes in this kind of male-gendered space mm-hmm. and has not really bothered much with things like embroidery, Mm-mm. running a household. And she, she doesn't have
0: the patience for it and yes. she doesn't and like even as people like her stepsister um castigize her for it yeah. that just you know, she digs her heels in harder. And then she has this kind aunt Lynette who mm-hmm. sort of gently tries to be like you could be pretty if you wanted to be. Yeah. Is very much Aunt Lynette's MO.
1: Little does Aunt Lynette know that <sighs> You don't have to try to be pretty to be a sexual object.
0: Indeed. <laughs> Two pages later, we find out that Dad has uh, brokered a peace with the Viking chieftain who's been raiding off the coast of Wales. Well,
1: any Viking chieftain. His goal was, mm-hmm. I've just got to find a Viking chieftain to marry my daughter, mm-hmm. and that will create an alliance. A peace and weaving. And they'll protect me from the other Vikings, yep. and I'll be totally fine because they're moving farther and farther inland.
0: Yep. Dad. Dad dies. And then a day later, they're at the burial. Yeah. They're throwing dirt on dad's coffin. And all of a sudden, these Vikings roll up. And they're like, it's your soon-to-be hubs. And she's like, great.
1: Except. She hates this idea. She's
0: been against it from the start. She tried to convince her dad not to. But he's very convinced that the peace weaving is the way to go.
1: He's hired a tutor from Ireland to teach her how to speak the language, what the cultural traditions are, what the religion's all about.
0: Yeah. So she's
1: very educated she's very prepared
0: yeah more so than anybody else
1: but it turns out she's actually not prepared at all because it seems like everyone in Wales missed a really important cultural touchstone of Viking culture
0: rape and pillage
1: yeah (laughs) Uh, which is to take uh, what you want and if you are able to get it then you are entitled to it right Uh, so they're like thank you so much for the directions to this fabulous estate that you've just sold us we're actually going to take all of that and the girl.
0: And everybody else in the castle that we don't kill.
1: And all of the women for slaves.
0: Yeah. And we're going to rape them
1: first. And repeatedly uh, throughout the journey. Throughout the journey. But guess what? Brynna defends her household. She She is the last one standing with her sword. And the chieftain Anselm Mm -hmm. is so charmed by this that he protects her from being raped. She gets to not be raped. She gets to not be raped because she's such a cool gal
0: so special because the Vikings love courage and she exhibited that against a
1: barbarian horde oh my god you have courage I love courage
0: that's amazing I guess you let me just zip
1: this back up
0: right you get to listen to your relatives scream in the next room but no it's cool so that's really weird that's like one of the first moves that was like really shocking and terrible
1: And that's the thing is like this move is like creating rape as a value statement. I feel is a move towards this pedagogy of being like good enough to not be raped and means everyone else just wasn't good enough. Like the idea that if all of these women had had swords and been raised like Brenna, then they would not have been raped.
0: But they can't be raised that way because that is unwomanly. There can only be one. (laughs) It's like Highlander.
1: Yeah. And also Brenna acknowledges like at some point, she's like, I don't have to know how to do all this stuff. I'll hire people to do this stuff. I'm very rich. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not going
1: to press against
0: the idea of this pedagogy yet because like we have a lot, of feelings but one of the things that I think is different and interesting about this idea of like the Highlander like there can only be one she's too special to be traumatically harmed in this way yeah the harm of the rape the harm and the trauma of it gets space on the page for both Cordella and Lynette and also the harm that it causes in Brenna to know that she couldn't defend Lynette or Cordella she doesn't speak for the entire journey as the other women continue to go through this trauma and like at one point Lynette's like we need your courage we need your bravery like give us the pep talk and Brenna just turns and she's like no. Nope. I don't have it. That scene, I think, and since you said it like that, it's like Lynette sees it as bratty, but one of the ways in which it felt true is like, that feels like really protective of oneself where it's like, I can't process all of this that's yeah. happening and I can't interact with it.
1: Yeah. I can't give you something. That I don't have to give. Give myself. Yeah. Right. I will say, however, this idea of like trauma via rape is also something that our heroine is the only one to hold on to. Yes. Everyone else settles in to their lives and they're like, this ain't so bad. This ain't so different from what it was like back in Wales. And start to think differently about what happened to them And think differently about sex and sexuality. Whenever we get to, I don't know, Norway? Yeah. Viking land? We discover a completely different set of sexual mores and and rules and stuff. And people really adapt well to them and move on from their trauma to the point where Lynette is actually in, you know, a really productive partnership with her rapist. Mm
0: -hmm. Befriends
1: his wife. Befriends his wife. You know, we do get our first... Of the series, like, non-monogamous love story. Yep. Where it is this sharing and this openness and there's not jealousy. But it all starts with this rape. And so her heroine is the only one who holds on to that idea. She's the only one who holds on to a lot of stuff up until final act of the novel. Yes. When she lets it all go.
0: And becomes a complete woman. I want to get yep. to the very last line of this book
1: what is peace
0: oh my god (laughs)
1: what is peace I do want to touch on the fact that I'm sure we'll talk more about her characters Britta's character journey is like love scenes in a lot of Joanna Lindsay it's all resistance until it's suddenly acceptance yes and um that's what I'll say about that
0: One of the things that remains very weird to me, and like, this book feels slippery. Like, I think I have a grapple on it, and then it just like squeaks out of my hand like a wet frog on a spring night. Lynette, so she's been raped by Anselm, who's the chieftain who spared their lives, and he's like, you know what, let's... See where this goes. Eloise, Anselm's wife, and the mother of our hero, Garrick, is from an English-speaking country, you know, can translate for everybody. Brenna is holding on to the secret that she knows the language that everyone is speaking. She's
1: going to use it to escape. She's like, this is my one thing. This is definitely how I get out. And she does. She gathers a whole lot of it.
0: A ton of it. But one of the things that Lynette says and what makes it hard for me to grapple with this book is she's like, just like, give in. Give in like I have. Have, and like everything your go easier for you. And then Brenna like bucks against that. And she's like, this place is terrible. These people are awful. They don't even have chimneys. You have to keep the door open so it's cold all the time. And Lynette's like, I was a widow. No, it just
1: gets smoky it gets inside smoky. Yeah. the like stone pit. Right. The giant fireplace in which they live. Right. But it's too fucking cold all the time. All the
0: time. And Lynette's like, you know what? You know, this isn't maybe how I envision things, but like sex is back in my life.
1: Actually is like, you know, it's nice to get laid. Yeah, because
0: she's been a widow for like fifteen years. And it's years nice or something. to have a
1: friend who gets me and like wants to be an emotional intimate. Also speaks my language, <laughs> and also, which is great. Part of me is so disgusted by this, but part of me is also like, good for Anselm. He raped his peer, not, <laughs>
0: not <laughs> right. And so then it's like, I totally agree with Brennan in this moment. It feels like Lynette is like accepting the bars of. Her prison with a little too much a plum,
1: uh-huh. and
0: I don't like it.
1: We also need to provide context for the point at which Lynette presents this option of. She presents up. it like six times. The scene I am thinking of is Feast. Number three, Mm. a.k.a. Big Dinner number three. So as you may know, this is a romance novel podcast. So the hero, who we haven't even gotten to yet, and the Mm -hmm. heroine start to fall in love. He takes her to this feast. He has visions of her remaining his slave. His favorite slave. His lady slave. Other slaves will give her her cloak. She is such a special slave. She will bear his children. She is such a special slave. His mother will make her
0: a beautiful dress.
1: Yeah, she is such a special slave. And she says to her aunt, I think he really loves me. And I think I really love him. I want to get married. And her aunt's like, well, that'll never happen because you're a slave. He cannot. He literally cannot marry a slave. And she's like, oh, no, he'll give me back to his dad. His dad has already said he'll set me free. And her aunt's like, you know what? That's like a cool idea and all. You've got a pretty good thing going. And then presents the idea of like, just settle in with this guy.
0: Be mature about this. Yeah. Except that this culture is not yours. You would have a good life. You would would have 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 a a good good life. life.
1: But it's not the kind of life that Brenna wants. And so she continues to fight for it. Yep. We should talk about the We should talk about Garrick. Garrick is the son of a Viking.
0: He's a merchant and a trader. He's
1: the second son, second legitimate son Mm -hmm. of a Viking. His mother is British of some kind.
0: British of some kind. She's Eloise, Lynette's new best friend.
1: Yeah. And because he was the second son, she was able to raise him at whatever way she saw fit. So she taught him about Christian God (laughs) and chivalry. Neat. Okay. You are allowed to raise your son with with two values from your childhood and two values only, what are they?
0: Well, they don't both start with chivalry and Christianity, I tell you that much. (laughs) What are they? Two values from my childhood
1: specifically.
0: Food is love and taking personal responsibility for your actions.
1: Those were pretty heavy. I was (laughs) gonna say pronouncing words in whatever goofy ass way you want. (laughs) And I've read that grilled cheese Or peanut butter and jelly are controversial sandwiches, not unlike Vegemite. What? Overseas, yeah. Like the concept of like a macaroni and cheese or a grilled cheese or a peanut butter and jelly is unappealing abroad, less appealing abroad. I love extremes. I love people being like, bleh, macaroni and cheese, vomit. Or like, oh my God, I love it. Versus like, I don't get it. If I fed my child macaroni and cheese and they're like, I don't get it. That would wreck
0: I would be like, stovetop forever, bitches. <laughs> like, that's funny. I love mac and cheese so much.
1: Yeah, so it, w- it would be uh, those kind of like trash American food specific. I think that's good. And pronouncing words in whatever way you want to. Okay. Like saying hoax, hoax. That's a popular one. Kniff. Um, Saying cappuccino <laughs> for a cappuccino.
0: Guaffa. For
1: a guffaw. How often do you say (laughs) guffaw?
0: Literally never literally yeah. never.
1: It would be a very unuseful word to invite invent your own pronunciation of Guava. And then he just guaffed at my joke. And I was like, "What are you guaffing about? Guava is what you came up with there. I'm just I'm testing your theory." It's like, you're "Well, like... you're going to have to do better than guava." Um,
0: All right, I guess.
1: You know those sandals with the straps that you can go hiking in?
0: Chacos?
1: <laughs> chukkas that comes up a lot
0: why does that come up a lot
1: I have a lot of friends like I'd be like oh wow did you have a wonderful study abroad experience in Costa Rica I can tell by your chuckas
0: i just why like i guess they don't get it
1: you know like you read something on the page and then mm-hmm. you just confidently say it and sure no one else is confident and like everyone else is like a little unsure if it's chacos like and so if someone comes into your life is like oh my god i love your chuckas, that's such a great color combo you're very likely to just accept it not that you're like very likely to Start saying it yourself, although people in my life have. Mm -hmm. This habit I have comes from a place of, like, hearing my dad do it, seeing my grandmother do it as a joke, Mm -hmm. but also kind of realizing that, like... (laughs) pronunciation is kind of baloney anyway it's like, bonkers yeah it's like it's so different across all you know spectrums and so you know just kind of like say it I think the don't ca- overthink it just like throw the word out there I Chuck think
0: us. that's one of the things that I tell my students and the one that I give them is and I'm gonna pronounce it wrong it's cacophony but I'd only ever read that word and I'd never cacophony used it. Mm-hmm. cacophony And I said that out loud once and somebody made me feel like such a goddamn asshole. And they were like, you mean cacophony? Yeah. It was like, what the fuck? Like, here's a word I've only ever seen, and I know what it means. I can use it in the correct context, and you make me feel like the asshole because my reading vocabulary is better than my spoken one.
1: Uh, what was the word? Teleos. Mm. That was another one I didn't hear spaketh out loud for a really long time. I can't remember what word it was, but one time I was, like, drunk, and, like, I used it, and... Mary Rushman, illustrator of our logo, was like, you say that word wrong and it makes you look ignorant. She was like eating a hot dog. And I was like very hurt. So she saw through my thing. But if I could pass on one value That's a good of one. two to my offspring, it would be like, just say it. And say it with enough confidence that, people won't correct you. They'll just be like, oh, what a character. And then you've got your own flavor. You've got your own private language. Sure. That's pretty cool and fun.
0: Also, raise children that aren't going to make you feel like an asshole when you've mispronounced a word that you've only ever seen. I
1: mean, like, raise nice kids, but like, (laughs) I mean, I'm talking specific. It feels like the concept of chivalry and a Christian (laughs) Christian god God. is specific enough that it can relate to my chakas thing. Sure. So anyway.
0: (laughs) Garrick is Special.
1: So Garrick is special. Garrick has decided he doesn't want to rape and pillage. He wants to sell slaves. And other stuff. And other stuff. He's been to Turkey. He his, saw the Hagia Sophia. His heart was broken by a person named Morna, his best friend's sister. Ain't it always? And She's very pretty. And then she married
0: someone who was very fat and rich, which offended Garrick's personal sensibilities of
1: self. And he wouldn't be like, I can be fat and rich. Check me out. I'm going to go sell my slaves.
0: Look at my washboard abs.
1: Look at my washboard abs. He got like a very big silver medallion of mm-hmm. her face.
0: And he's like, don't trust
1: women. This is going to remind me not to trust women. It's weird that, like, that's
0: his big bad hurt. I feel like heroes, especially of this time frame, always need a big bad hurt. And it's usually a woman who done them wrong. But, like, Morna literally just married someone who is financially stable.
1: Yeah, but isn't that how it always fucking goes? Like, yeah. you meet a broken guy, and it's probably something like... So, she said that just because we had a series of similar interests doesn't mean that we're actually compatible. And then started dating her best friend, Greg, who, like, listens to her or whatever. I can never trust women, except... Except for never, my
0: mommy.
1: She, yeah, my is the only good woman.
0: Which this book brings up times. So anyways, times. you identify
1: as Italian. My mom's Italian. I love to eat. I'm very loud. I oh, also you want... identify as Irish. My mom's Irish. <laughs> yeah. I love to eat. We're very loud.
0: Also, my mom does my laundry and does all of my things.
1: Oh, you're Can Greek. You my mom's Greek. She <laughs> loves to eat and we're very loud. It's like everyone really believes that loving to eat and being loud is is a unique cultural identity.
0: It isn't. But when you live with a lot of wasps, it can feel that way.
1: I would say wasps also love to eat. They love
0: to eat, but they're not very loud.
1: And they're very loud.
0: Their passive aggressiveness is loud.
1: I would say I'm a wasp. I'm not like an East Coast wasp, but I'm not a, you know, I don't have anything where I'm like, I come from a family of Italians. You know, I don't have anything like that. I'm just like standard white. Texas. Well, that's true. You know, the thing about Texas is it's Texas. We love to eat more very loud.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Because it's not Connecticut.
1: Yeah, I do see what you mean. I see what you mean now. Yeah, I guess like the. Could you like say something like more could you speak to that more? (laughs)
0: Like (laughs) Can I speak
1: to the feeling? We love to eat, we're very loud. Again, like we love to eat cheese and enchiladas. We're very loud about high school football. My mother is Texan, right? You do. You go now. We
0: love to eat food. And what
1: food? We love to eat feta. (laughs) We do love to eat feta.
0: (laughs) And we love to scream at each other about politics.
1: Greek. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, just be like a little bit more specific. I would appreciate it if someone was like, Mm. Oh, you're Italian, my mother's Italian. Do you love to eat not to be racist, but spaghetti?
0: Boiled fish. boiled fish there's a fish stew that my uh, brother-in-law's mother makes that's like very very southern italian for christmas
1: oh yeah we read about it in hothead yeah. by
0: <laughs> 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 exactly that one oh. suave couch floor
1: but you know like oh my mother loves to eat chicken cacciatore and yell about pantyhose pantyhose you know like
0: be specific details matter details, details matter because we
1: all love food and we're all loud on this podcast we are on this podcast oh my god you have a podcast my mother had a podcast <laughs> she loves to drink wine and yell about romance <laughs> you guys would get on like a house on fire every man is the same like to me I'm like this is a super realistic depiction of angst Mm -hmm. Um, In that the hero also comes to the resolution at the end where he was like, oh no, I was just like, we're the two best looking people in town. We should be together. Right. And that's not actually like what love is about. Like feeling Mm -hmm. like you should be with someone is not the same thing as loving them, which I thought was like a really beautiful like realization. It
0: was. It was very nice that he came to that realization. So he is super fucking hot, super fucking hot, very capable merchant, very good at stuff. Speaks he, several languages.
1: He is given Brenna, who his dad had lied and been like, oh yeah, you can marry my son Garrick. His dad is like, you know what? I think she'll be good for him.
0: She's very brave.
1: She's very brave. She's got courage. She's got a lot of spunk. Also, she bit the shit out of his older brother when he Ew. kissed her.
0: Attempted he was rape. like,
1: I don't like her. So she's sent to Garrick's home. We meet your mill perhaps more on her later he finds Brenna he's like whoa she's really pretty but I swore off all women forever he's gonna have a feast the next day and he does something they bicker and she's like I'm not a slave he's like you are
0: that is your role here look at all my other slaves and
1: she's like they hate it and he's like they don't hate it it's the same as like all of your thralls and I was like oh (laughs) shit
0: yeah Garrick speaking truth
1: to power but also not really
0: just speaking truth to another culture where it's like you think that your villagers who had to farm your land for free uh your serfs aren't any different
1: guess again and also his mother keeps repeating this
0: constantly and then Lynette the aunt takes up the refrain so
1: I think it's time for us to do a little pause in the episode and say Why?
0: Because in indentured servitude, you get
1: to leave after a term and enjoy the rest (laughs) of the fruits of your labor. Also, you are considered legally a human being, a living human being under slavery.
0: You are not.
1: You are not. You are understood as an actual object within the framework of...
0: You are property. You can be sold to pay debt. Indentured servants... You can be
1: killed without rebuke. You can be raped, as they are in this book. Constantly. Um, Although the book never seems to address the fact that... The character in the beginning of the book, the serf, was being raped. It was named as raped, but the slaves who are raped, it's never understood as that, not even by our heroine Brenna, who is in the same boat. She's not like, whoa, you just have sex with all those guys? And they're like, yeah, I guess so. And she's like, wow, you guys must really like having sex. Okay, bye. Like, it's very dumb.
0: It is very dumb.
1: The way this book deals with slavery, dumb. Super dumb. Okay. I'm glad we said it. If you're a white who has said... What about the Irish? What about the Irish? mm Mm-mm.
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't even...
1: How do you... How do you get to vote? Like, your vote counts the same as my vote. It does finger wag is what just
0: happened. I think a lot of these talking points feel reasonable on their face until you literally just scratch the surface. You're like, oh yeah, an indentured servant can't enjoy the fruits of their labor. Like the Irish, they came over here and people spat on them. Isn't that the same? And you're like, no. And here is a thousand and one billion reasons why.
1: You don't see me asking for reparations. reparations.
0: It's like one of those things where it's like, it feels reasonable on the surface, but you actually a hundred percent always have to like knock it down and be like this is why this is not reasonable and like this book does the thing where it's like are thralls really that different from workers and i'm like yes Yes. and here's why Yes. <laughs> stop saying that because it's not Look, true
1: i'm not saying it's not shitty to be an in indentured servitude right i'm not saying that that's a bad fucking system that's an evil system yes it is but it's not the same yep we talk about this a lot on our shana Shauna, shana shana Episode. Welcome um, to our TED Talk. Yeah. On. So you can just uh, go back and touch on that. Back when we had a Tumblr, we also posted a lot of articles about it. Mm-hmm. We really thought our listenership was going to become more enraged about our content. <laughs>
0: And then they took sex off Tumblr and nobody goes there anymore. It's a ghost town. Anywho, Garrick got this super hot lady living in his house that he can't trust because women are trash other than his mother. He's super attracted to her and she's spunky, got a lot of gumption, constantly (laughs) keeping him on his rhetorical toes. She
1: is aroused for the first time in her life when she sees him, but that doesn't stop her from fighting back. So anyway, she's like, I'm not going to be a slave. Being a slave sucks. He's like, you are a slave. It's going to be fine. She's like, no. And he's like, let Listen, we'll talk about this later. You need to stay hidden for the next like two weeks don't leave this sewing room. And she's like, what am I going to do here?
0: And he's like, so stupid.
1: So stupid. And she's like, I, I don't, don't sew, do but So then, whatever. Yeah. And so then she like leaves the room. She discovers this whole thing about like during Viking feasts, public sex and public rape is a thing that happens. And he was trying to protect her from that. She's almost attacked by some of his party goers. His mother saves her. She backsasses his mom. That really pisses him off. He's like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Yep. At this point,
0: it's worth mentioning at this point that Brenna has a deeply seated fear of sex. Oh, because yes. Cordella has been poisoning her mind for three years that the sex act is always painful, always terrible, something that will rip your body apart. And she's been planting this seed for three years, and Brenna is, like, 19.
1: Yeah, she's been planting the seed because her husband was attracted to Brenna, so she didn't want Brenna to be interested in sex and potentially sex with her husband. So Brenna is terrified. Yeah. Uh, so Garrick is like, get ready. And then they have... Good sex, like you know, a fine first time. It hurt at first, and then Brenna really liked it. She almost came.
0: And the thing that, and then she's like, "Oh, I've been lied to." But the thing that she really can't forgive Cordella for is that she begged Garrick not to, and so she had this whole like armor of never pleading, of never giving in, of never giving up. And then she did the thing where she's like, "Please don't do this," because she was so terrified. And he's like, "I'm gonna do it," and like. It's weird that you're this scared. So then she's like, I showed a vulnerability. Well, that he didn't
1: think it was weird. He was like, Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I came up with the perfect solution.
0: To punish you.
1: And then it turns out she liked it. So joke was on him. Him.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then she vows vengeance against Cordella, which doesn't turn out as well as it should.
1: So she's got to get vengeance against Cordella. She's got to get vengeance against Anselm. She's not going to get vengeance against Garrick because he's not really a part of the whole murdering her entire household thing. It's mostly just his dad. She's just going to try to tolerate Garrick because she does have this moment where she's like, ugh he doesn't know how stupid this is because this is how he's grown up cultural relativism is just moving things in this book at such a clip yep that's what I've got to say about it cultural relativism I think is always going to be present in our conversations about the interactions between Brenna and Garrick between all of the characters yep for sure. Garrick is turned on by her spirit. And so
0: after... And raised
1: to be a chivalrous gentleman.
0: After locking her in the sewing room, he's like, well, what are you interested in? She's like, horses. He's like, great.
1: He's like, no. Well, they like fight <laughs> about it. And then he's she like, gets the upper hand. He lets her take care of the horses. And she agrees to do some of the housework. Right. So they learn how to compromise. Can
0: you imagine?
1: Compromise. An important part of any relationship.
0: Yeah. And then Miguel tries to make good on her promise and run away. She's immediately caught.
1: It does not work out for her. She's not immediately caught. She stays away for quite a while because she is strategic. Like, she's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go to the worst part, the mountains, and mm-hmm. he won't ever expect me there. So I'll get a few winter. days. But she also didn't expect him to be so into her mm-hmm. that he would go and look really hard in the mountains. He found her. Mm-hmm. Brings her back.
0: Makes her promise never to leave again, mm-hmm. which she does.
1: She does. She's like, yeah, it's terrible out there. It's very fucking cold. Could no, definitely die. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to let you see your family.
0: No, I'm sorry. Going back one second. When he comes to get her, like they have this like fight and then the bear comes out of the woods.
1: I want to talk about the fact that while they're fighting, they both conscientiously think like I could kill them. I don't want to. Yes. That is actually a
0: very lovely mirror. And
1: they both have the same idea. Like, I am so good at sorting. Yeah. I will definitely kill this person. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to. I'm going to do them a favor. Right. And also both recognizing it in the other one and then being like, Oh my god, they're so bad at sorting Compared to me
0: Right, I could definitely kill them But I don't want to yeah. And so they sort of come to this weird draw And, and then, then out of like the darkness Of the Nordic winter
1: forest woods A bear that should be what hibernating other creature but a bear A bear, a bear Garrick had apparently awakened this bear previously. Like, there's only one bear awake in the woods. (laughs) And it comes to them. It, like, attacks
0: uh, Garrick And she freaks the fuck out. And she, like, attacks the bear and, like, stabs it in the face, killing it. And then Garrick's like, oh. He, like, wakes up from his unconscious state. And he's like, what happened? She's like, I killed the bear. And he's like, oh, shit, you did?
1: Holy (laughs) smokes. That's
0: amazing. Uh, I'm super into you. Let's bone.
1: They bone.
0: And then they take the bear home for its pelt. Oh, poor bear. Just wanted to sleep.
1: But he also has, at this point, right, he makes her promise not to leave. And they start, like, what I would say is an uneasy truce. He's like, guess what? I only had sex with you that one time teach you a lesson. I actually hate girls. So. That won't happen that's again. That's not going to happen again. She's like, well, that sucks. So she <laughs> actually becomes open to the experience mm-hmm. with other people. It just doesn't happen for her. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of loved. Mm-hmm. But uh, she starts being, like, a normal, like, house- take her care of her Mm -hmm. she stays with the other women in their bunk she meets his friend she starts caring for him and he returns from something and she like makes a bath for him and then they start having sex again is Mm -hmm. that right
0: And it's awesome. And And
1: then everything's going so
0: well that he asks his mom to make her a beautiful dress and bring her to the midwinter solstice, Mm -hmm. which is a fortnight feast at Anselm's house. And she wears this beautiful dress.
1: We talked about it earlier.
0: Turns a lot of heads. Yeah. That this slave should be given such a place of honor and that all of this stuff. Also,
1: critically, Morna's husband has died and she's returned home. Right. And And she's set her sights back on the cutest boy in school. Garrick. She comes to the feast. She's like a total jerk. Predictably. Brenna. Brenna's a total jerk back. And Britta gets this feel. She's like, I'm in love with him. She has that conversation with Lynette that we already talked about. So she and Garrick have sex in the stable. He's like, this is the most comfortable place for us to stay. It's like, okay, Johanna Lindsay, you just wanted to have that literal roll in the hay in your book. Which, have we talked about the spanking? There's a spanking scene. Obviously. At this point, they feel straightforward to me. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed.
0: Uh, There's no surprises here. Yeah.
1: So anyways, um, they have sex in a stable and she's like, I love you. And he Harrison Ford's her. He says, I know. And then
0: turns over and falls asleep. Like, I cannot stress enough how nice this sex scene is. It's mutually exhausting and beautiful for both of them. They have a mutual orgasm at the same time. It's fireworks and gorgeous. And she says at the moment of her climax, I love you. He uh, gets That's smug. also
1: the best time to tell someone you love them for the first time when <laughs> they're inside you.
0: And you're coming.
1: Yeah. And you're, like, drunk. Yeah. It happens. It's so good. And Uh, um, it's not good. No. But it does happen
0: all the time. Sorry. And he's like, thankfully. Rolls over and falls asleep. And then like that's where we're at. <laughs> like I cannot stress enough. You're like like oh, I, I knew it. Cool. Jarring Bye. that scene is. And like this is where I think Johanna Lindsay really shines. It's like, here's this like awesome sex scene that's super titillating, and then she's like, Oh, you feel good. Pop! Your balloon isn't inflated anymore, is it? Cold bath of water. Everything sucks. Like, live with your negative feelings. And Which
1: like, is exactly fuck. you have the exact experience experience of the heroine yes like you really feel like her best friend with her brunch going like he did what <laughs> yeah. he did what <laughs> oh my god
0: let's go key his car let's
1: go key his car and so she does key his car she leaves well she wakes up the next morning yep. and he's already gone to his little horse race and he said that she could horse race and then she was like oh I'm scared I'm gonna beat you and then he's not there and she's like you know what fuck this guy mm-hmm. I should be in the horse race I'm just as good, he doesn't even love me, I'm going home. Yep. And then she gets kidnapped. Right. Bye.
0: No, that's so she leaves the horse race because he lied to her because he's like, you can participate and she's like, great, I'll put on my pants and he's like, no, you're a slave. I thought you knew that like you can't participate and more than that, you're a woman. You can't participate and she's like, well, fuck you and goes home. He follows her after he's lost his horse race to his brother. He's so upset that she's left and didn't cheer him on that he rapes her and they have this crazy fight and then she's alone and crying in the house with no one but dog and Aaron is like incapacitated who's, like, his weird, stable person, and then she's abducted. Garrett comes back the next day to apologize for his bad actions, sees that she is gone, and is like, oh, she left because I raped her.
1: Okay, so at this point in order to, like, talk about Garrett's character journey, I do think we have to hit on plot points, because Joanna Lindsay is very little about the internality of a hero. Like, we don't get this reflection of Garrett, I guess I really do love her. Yeah, that I never love happens. her eyes, I love her hair. Mm-hmm. No, he's like, we don't get that. We get a. Series of actions. Mm-hmm. Here is a series of actions. Cedric, a uh, rival
0: Viking across the, fjord. across the
1: fjord, is put up to the task of kidnapping Brenna by a mysterious female figure. Mm-hmm. Is it Morna? Is it your meal? Who is the mother of our Nell's bastard? I don't know. So he takes her hostage. He's gonna rape her. It turns out he like murdered and gang raped along with his brothers. Uh, Garrick's sister. sister uh many years ago and that's what caused this riff is Cedric's uh serial murderer tendencies. Indeed. Indeed. He's going to rape Britta. She manages to escape using her wiles and her physical strength. Badly wounds Cedric. Badly wounds Cedric. Steals a horse. Gets on the road. Has to go the long way around the fjord. Ends up spending three weeks away. Six weeks away. Six weeks away. Because she can't swim. It's because she doesn't want to leave her horse. She doesn't want to leave her horse. Yeah. Yeah. Which I totally get. It's a great horse. Willow, who was
0: taken with her on the boat yeah, when but, she was originally abducted. But then
1: given to her by Armel, who just thinks she's the bee's knees and he Anselm. wants Anselm. He doesn't want her to hate him, so he gives her the horse. And whatever, she still hates him. And the reason
0: why she has her horse on the other side of the fjord is because... They put the horse on the boat. The abduction had to look like she ran away. That was the key component of the mysterious villainous woman saying, it has to look like she ran away, which will gut Garrick.
1: Yeah, it'll keep him from looking for her. Yeah. Turns out he looked for her, he just did a bad job. She comes back, she's like destroyed, and Garrick's like, get out of here, go to my dad's place. She doesn't realize she's been set free. She is healed by her aunt and her now very pregnant sister who... Cordella. Yeah, it turns out But Hugh,
0: hang on. Going back, because she explains all of this to Garrick because she loves him. Her love has carried her through this harrowing experience. And she's like, believe me, believe me, believe me. And he's, and he's, he's like, like, your
1: lies carried you through this experience. I guess you just had to come
0: back because you couldn't pack
1: it in Listen, the woods anymore. I've been broken up with once. I know. Know how all you women are right so then his dismissal of her
0: is a refusal to believe her
1: so she's healed. I mean, her sister's got a great racket going. Yeah. We don't need to get into it. It's
0: it's pretty great. It's
1: all fucking good. Like, every plot point in this book is good. Every relationship that develops is interesting. All of the pieces belong on the board. It's fucking stupid how well-constructed this book is. It drives me crazy. I remember reading American Gods, and I was like, why would I ever try to write something? This is so good. I don't know how I'd ever write something this good. I, I feel kind of the same way about fires of winter i'm like joanna Lindsay is in like a cupboard in a corner somewhere and she wrote something this structurally impressive like what am i gonna do anyways that was just a little tangent so definitely you know check out the book for all these little side stories but he shows up at the house he's like oh i'm super into morna she's like good i'm happy for you and His dad is like, listen, if you're this unhappy, I'll take you back to Wales. And she's like, great.
0: When can we leave? When
1: can we leave? She's in a big hurry because she realizes she's pregnant and she's found out that Vikings kill... Sparta, their babies. (laughs) Sparta, their babies. Uh, And she does not want to bring a... She's scared she's going to have a baby that is deemed Spartanable, Which is... To be
0: left exposed at birth and die.
1: Yeah. And so she's like, I got to get out of here. So he's like, all right, I'll give you a house. There's like an empty cottage or whatever on the edge of the woods. She's like, I'm going to give you pelts for rent. And she starts this beautiful existence. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's really idyllic. Young listeners, I'm going to give you a piece of advice Which feels sweeping, uh, but that's, you know, I'm here to make the big sweeping statements. Okay. Live by yourself. Yes. Before you start a romantic cohabitation. Cohabitation. Living by yourself. You really find out what you need and what you want and who you are when no one's around. It will make you deeply resentful of your partner when you move in together for the first year.
0: (laughs) And you might want to murder them for leaving the cap off the toothpaste but that can be remedied Live by yourself. Live Live by by yourself. Good advice. So she lives by herself because it's too late to sail back to Wales the ice is moving in or whatever but it's all part of the fucking plan to keep her and Garrick together. It's important at this point listeners that you note that Garrick and Brenna haven't spoken in like five months. He doesn't know that she. She's pregnant. She's been hiding it. Nobody knows until she's basically about to give birth. And she's terrified of giving birth because of the Spartan thing. Lynette and Eloise find out they make this person live with her. And then she's in the woods collecting pelts one day. And this mystery villainous woman figure shows back up and runs her down, causing her to go into labor early.
1: So she is found by Garrick, who's been like spying on her from the woods anyways. He because takes her
0: mom back. Told. He takes
1: her back to his castle. She delivers. The baby is not breathing at birth. So he does rudimentary CPR. She's passed out for all of this to bring the baby back to life, even though by Viking standards, that would be a Spartan offense, not breathing when you're born. And so, you know, she doesn't know this. He's like, don't tell her.
0: I'd like to pause on this for one second, because I think this is probably going to help build the bridge of your pedagogy
1: question go so he does
0: the rudimentary cpr because he doesn't want brenna to wake up thinking that he killed the baby he was beyond rational thinking and tried again this time covering the infant's mouth and nose so air would have no place to go but into his son this tiny chest filled and arms thrashed infant gulped air itself
1: context so no because i want to go back because you said he starts giving the baby cpr because he doesn't want her to think he killed the baby yeah i felt like the context was he was overcome by fatherhood no what's it say
0: he was torn apart inside so aware of the air that moved in his own chest but not in his son's he stared at the shiny chest without thinking he blew into the mouth i I think he said he must not die she will say i killed him and so he does this thing and then everyone's like praise god it's a miracle it is indeed a miracle garrick but one that you have brought about you gave life to your son he felt such overwhelming pride as if this was the greatest accomplishment of his life and nothing would ever come close to it again and i'm like She just gave birth, though. You breathe two breaths into this baby. Like, come on. That's ridiculous that he brought life. I'm just like, this is stupid. I don't know why we're doing this.
1: I was actually fine with that. I mean, what I buy all the other shit in these books, (laughs) and so like then again,
0: here's this like weird thing where it's like, dad did this huge awesome thing, gave life, whatever. Oh yeah, stupid. And then two pages later, we're a week after birth, and Brenna is having a terrible time breastfeeding. Yeah, and this book does such a good job of describing the disappointment of like not feeling like you can produce milk to feed your baby, and then like having another person be like, hey, this isn't working for you or the baby. It's most important that the baby. He's fed. We have to get a wet nurse.
1: Okay. Uh yeah. So she does get a wet nurse in the book and talks about difficulty with breastfeeding. She goes back to living in the cabin with the wet nurse and her son, still planning on returning home to Wales. And then one day seven months later when she's about to say her goodbyes and board a ship, Garrick shows up with Cedric and is like, I need to know once and for all if you're telling the truth. Cedric, did you rape her?
0: (laughs) And Cedric's, I've never seen this crazy person in my life. And then it's a he said, she said.
1: And then she says, Garrick is like all right, looks like you're a liar, is about to leave. And then she says, wait, Cedric has a scar on his hip bone. How else would I know about it unless he'd taken off his pants? Garrick is like, but what? Because it turns out he gave him that scar when they were kids on accident. Mm -hmm. Cedric knocks Garrick over the head, takes Brenna, runs into your mill on the way. Turns out your mill put him up to it. She's like, I'm going to go see this baby and eliminate the last border to one of the heirs son becoming the heir Garrick finds Brenna he saves her. They're back at home lying on a bearskin rug. She's like where's Selig the baby? He's like oh she's with Yarmil. She's like no Yarmil. They go and they they find Yarmil has tried to Spartan Selig and she's kind of crazy he's like wow she's been crazy for a long time good thing we have the baby now. Reunited and she's free. She's been free ever since she returned from being kidnapped because Garrick sent her to his father's home, which is the same thing as releasing her. So now they can be married and they live
0: happily ever after. The last line of the novel is insanity. (laughs) And I want to go back to one other thing with the Cedric thing. Um, But the last line of the novel
1: do the Cedric thing first. Okay.
0: So he does show up with Cedric on the horseback tied up. But before that, as she's like packing up the house and like getting ready to go, they haven't spoken in seven months. And he's like, I don't want you to go. He shows up at her cabin and he's like, I want you and my son to stay. Please stay.
1: I've been secretly hanging out with this.
0: <laughs> I've been son secretly you've hanging. out. have been taking naps. Right. And... She's like, okay, like I would say I, you know, I love you. And he's like, I love you, too. And he says it and she's like, oh, great. But do you trust me? And he's like, I love you enough to forget it all. And then she says, but not enough to trust me. And he turns away, giving her his answer without speaking. And so it's like this thing where it's like they love each other. And he's like, just fucking settle. Just like, accept that I'll trust you in time. I love you enough. My love is expansive to think that you've run away and that you've concocted this story. And she's like, that's not enough. That's not love for me. You have to trust my word. If you don't, I'm going back to Wales.
1: Yep. We all deserve to be loved the way we want to be loved.
0: Right. And the fact that she fights so hard for it and that like, it takes this thing with Garrick and then she's
1: willing to like walk away. Yeah. No one can call her bluff. I love her. I do too. I do want to say, though, this thing about what I said earlier and this concept in the book, and we'll get to the final line, of you deserve to be loved the way you want to be loved. I will say I do think sometimes, folks, the way you want to be loved is not actually the way you want to be loved. Like, there is always a version of the world where... You meet someone, say, who's like very articulate about mm-hmm. how beautiful they find you, or very over the top with romantic gestures. Mm-hmm. But that's all superficial. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing doesn't belide depth. So anyways, mm-hmm. just be weary of what you actually want. Like if you say, I want something passionate, what does that actually mean? It shouldn't be a series of gestures, which is interesting when talking about Joanna Lindsay because she's so like do, do, do with her heroes. Action, action. And so in this moment where it's like this action
0: of trusting me is like the action, it is the verb of vulnerability. Yeah. I think this book does such a good job of like attacking those pillars of, like, is a love expansive if it can't trust? Yeah. This book is really good at that.
1: But also the question of, like, I think you pointed out what is trust really but vulnerability. It's, like, faith, right? Yeah. Which religion does kind of leach in around the edges of this book. It doesn't really prioritize, like... I mean, I, I do think the book feels like Christian values are better than... Certainly. Uh, polytheistic pagan. pagan values. But, the, you know, this idea of just of faithfulness and faith are important to this book and important to the love story of Brenna and Garrick yes
0: they spend over a year not speaking
1: yeah it is about forgiveness for her because you know she has to forgive the time he raped her which is a huge deal and he has to be good at apologizing for that which he is like you know like three quarters of the way through the book like that's not even like the biggest issue they face right which is kind of crazy. Yeah, he starts apologizing for it immediately after the fact, which is unexpected. Yeah. But let's talk about the last line of the novel. This week's episode of Womance is sponsored by Lola. You guys know Lola. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners. And now they offer sex products, too, which is obviously uh, pretty much always in our wheelhouse.
0: Unlike other major brands, Lola products are 100% natural, easy to feel good about, no BS, mystery fibers, or doubts about what's going on in your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. You've got three heavy flow days. You've got other kinds of needs. You want 10 condoms rather than 5. Lola got you covered.
1: And you make a really good point because now with Lola's line of sex products, including condoms, personal lubricant, and personal wipes, you can actually have that added on to your monthly period subscription. Mm -hmm. So you never run out of what you need when you need it.
0: The ease of that subscription. I know. One of the things I like most about the personal lubricant is that it has a one-click pump system for a mess-free experience. You want your mess the way you want your mess and not from your product, if you know what I mean.
1: Exactly. And I have very sensitive skin and I put the personal lubricant on the back of my hand and nothing has happened besides being unable to keep my hand stable anywhere. It's <laughs> all over the place. My number one favorite thing about the personal lubricant is that when you purchase it, Lola will actually donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. with every purchase you make.
0: So it's feel good, feel good, and feel good.
1: <laughs> so we got the Lola Sex Kit, which is a beautiful kit. It comes with condoms. It comes with the wipes. It also comes with the personal lubricant in a fetching little pouch that you can carry your products in, as well as a little guide to how to use everything, as well as a guide to having like a healthy and productive sex life, which is really important. What I really like about the condoms, and I didn't expect to like it this much, is it's one of those things where like you don't know you need it until you see it and seeing like what I would consider like a very classy gender neutral packaging Mm -hmm. that isn't focused on like helping a guy feel okay about using a condom feels really good to have. Yeah, imagine having
0: women at the head of a female hygiene company and how those kinds of things where you're not going to make somebody feel like effed up about the condoms that they're buying or using. Yeah,
1: and it's also nice to like have a personal lubricant that isn't like making jokes about itself. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: actually something that I was like, I didn't know I wanted this in my life until I had it.
1: Yeah, so it's just one of the many things, like feel personally empowered Mm -hmm. with your Lola uh, sex product. So that is one of the reasons that we are super excited that our listeners get, holy shit, 30% off your first month subscription.
0: Visit MyLola.com and enter WHOA, that's W-H-O-A, when you subscribe.
1: I literally worked in retail and people were psyched about a 30% off retail discount. So this is really good. Once again, to get 30% off your first month subscription, visit MyLola, M-Y-L-O-L-A dot com and enter code WOAH, W-H-O-A when you subscribe. One last
0: thing that I want to bring up. If you've got young folks in your life who are just beginning their sexual journey, Lola is your one-stop Shop. Not only does it answer questions thoughtfully and fully and carefully, but it answers questions that some young people might be afraid to ask. I know as a young person who went to high school in Missouri, <laughs> as oh, a young person
1: who went to high school in Kansas.
0: Right, Lola answered a lot of questions that I had lingering issues, <laughs> queries. Queries. And the it does, was great. The booklet's great, and it does so in a gender-neutral way that is actually informational without any of the philosophizing the that often comes with great, it. The booklet was great,
1: and we would know we read a lot of sex books. Truth. <laughs> so, absolutely exploit our 30% off. Get a sex kit for the young adult in your life. Get condoms, personal lubricant, and wipes for yourself, along with your totally organic cotton, tampons, pads, whatever you prefer, Applic- Applicator, no applicator, whatever your jam is, Lola has your back.
0: With that? Mwah.
1: Mwah. But let's talk about the last line of the novel. Brenna no longer had thoughts of returning to the land of her youth.
0: This was her home now, here with her husband and son. The boy she had once tried to be was dead. She was a woman now. Complete. Yikes!
1: So what is... So, okay. Here is my weirdest part. Barf. And can I start with my weirdest part? Please. Because it gets to the pedagogy, because I think I've hit it. Mm -hmm. And it's true for all of the Joanna Lindsay novels. My least favorite part is when the heroine becomes pregnant. Yep. I thought this one was the least interesting, but pregnancy feels like an inevitability. Like now you have to have a certain kind of life. And I think the pedagogy of a Joanna Lindsay novel is that the ends justify the means Mm -hmm. and the ends are happily ever after. Mm -hmm. But really what you're happily ever after is, is motherhood. A
0: nuclear family.
1: I think motherhood. I think for Joanna Lindsay, I think in her books, the important thing is having the child with the husband figure, that's good. That's great. That's how it should be. But the reason you end up with the husband figure is because of the child. I believe there's a version of this book where, like, if she wasn't pregnant, it's not important to Johanna Lindsay that she stay with Garrick. But because she has Garrick's child, she needs to be with Garrick.
0: Oh, I don't know if I agree with that because the trust thing is so intense in it. I'll agree with you. Maybe not even motherhood so much because, like, we see so little of motherhood in the Johanna Lindsays that we've looked at. Like, everybody is pregnant, but three of the five... We don't even, like, the child doesn't get born.
1: But they still, that's the impetus for them. That's the word Mary told me I mispronounced. Impetus? Yeah, I used to say impetus. Ah. But the impetus for that, the impetus for that...
0: That's the trump card for the obstacle. Gentle rogue.
1: She decides, you know what? I'm pregnant with this guy's baby. He's here. I should marry this guy. I should go with this guy. He's the father of my child.
0: Although up until his arrival, she's like, I'm going to raise this baby in shame on my island.
1: (laughs) Define Not the Heart doesn't have a pregnancy, does it? No, it doesn't. No. So it's, you know, once again, beautiful, perfect object that it is. She's pregnant and that's in Brave the Wild Wind. That's why they get married. That's why she agrees to marry him because she's pregnant.
0: Warrior woman has the weird body horror pregnancy.
1: Yeah. And she decides like that is what mellows her out. That's what stops her. I think
0: it's that. And the fact that this book sees the delineation between youth and maturity as pregnancy.
1: And therefore, like a giving up, a receding of the self right. in place of others. Like
0: that's the negation. And that negation yeah. always happens yeah. through the pregnancy. yeah. Where it's like, I don't know that even having the child is important so much as like this idea that you have to stop being a brat. You have to stop putting yourself first. You have to put on a dress. Yeah. It's like the child is the mechanism for society to finally shackle the heroine.
1: Exactly. The child is the mechanism through which our heroine is finally shackled. Yeah. And I think throughout the book, the text feels super sympathetic to this like very independent. Yes. Very single-minded. Yes. Very bold female character until she's pregnant. Yep. And then the text itself seems to be crying out like, God, won't you just settle down?
0: Right. Everybody says it. Everyone's like, you need to do this. You're being crazy there's another life now. Which yeah. makes the pregnancies always feel very anti-choice.
1: The disinterested third party in the relationship, the wet nurse, has, like, been sneaking the baby to Garrick so they can hang out. Yeah. A baby should be with his father. Yeah. A baby should be with his father. Which is so 1980s yeah. <laughs> culture wars. Yeah. Like, oh, and Kyle, she not have two parents. And all he should be our, a
0: dude and a lady.
1: All of our cultural issues. Go back to the lack of a two parent household.
0: A heterosexual two parent household. Mm.
1: That's my weirdest part. Yeah. You know what? Spankings, groovy. Sometimes they're kind of hot. There, I said it.
0: <laughs> Especially
1: if there's kissing. <laughs> Especially if there's kissing.
0: It's the pregnancy. It's weird that the pregnancy is the vehicle of like the intrusive society where it's like the border, the boundary of like our heroine being so spunky and gumption and that we're so excited for her. And flouting
1: mores and flouting rules and flouting expectations. And we love her for it. And then we hate
0: her for it or we're supposed to, according to the text, as soon as she's knocked up. And I'm like, literally
1: society penetrates you, grows inside you. And erupts. Erupts out your vag out your vag and is then like I need to calm down and then freak out about this thing you need to settle you need to not be yeah. selfish stop obsessing over all the other injustices and start obsessing over what this baby is putting in its mouth yep yeah, that's my weirdest part. What's your weirdest part?
0: It's like my most disappointing part.
1: It's just the part that is just, you know... I didn't expect anything by the time I got to the last book to become suddenly clear to me. I didn't expect an epiphany, but mm-hmm. it did. It happened.
0: Yeah, I think, again, this book makes it so richly clear where it's like define out the Heart, which is many years forward in her career. Like this book is the one that like broke it open for me. Where yeah. it's like the difference between define Not the Heart and A Pirate's Love is fires of winter.
1: Yeah, that's and like, right.
0: That's the bridge. And like, that's right. The fact that she moves and that her work does get more nuanced about this question, that the pregnancies really do fall away, is testament to... Johanna Lindsay herself and her worldview either relaxing or moving or shifting or whatever it is. But in the 80s, it was culture wars, pure and simple.
1: But there's this thing where I think like maybe the penetration of society via pregnancy is replaced by just a straight up, you need to calm down.
0: Stop being this much yourself.
1: Stop being this much yourself. You're not going to make a change. It's not going to make a difference. In order for you to be happy, you need to just accept stuff and move on and calm down. And I think that's the part I'm struggling with. I don't think the books necessarily like that that's the ending, that that's how the heroine finds happiness. I think there's part of the books that are like, wouldn't it be great if she could run her own boat? Wouldn't it be great? But she can. not
0: That's not the world we live in. That's not the
1: world we live in. What is apparent to me from A Pirate's Love, which is the earliest Mm -hmm. Joey Lindsay we read, you know, both in her career and our careers, Mm -hmm. through her most recent texts is she loves... The heroine as she is at the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. But she acknowledges. I don't know about. Acknowledgement feels weird. Because I want to believe at this point in my life. That I can keep on railing at people about their pubic hair. (laughs) And you know. And and it'll work out you know. And Joanna Lindsay I feel has this thing of like. You just need to give it up. I think one of the. And not that that's good.
0: Not that it's good. Because I think you're right. She's in love with these heroines which is why we love them so yeah. much it's so clear and they're so wild and like hair as long and flowing as Johanna Lindsay's own <laughs> I think part of the move because like the way in which you protect a heroine especially in the historicals but even in her other books is like you make her financially stable the way to do that is a marriage and she'll never have the same kinds of freedoms and like that acceptance that acknowledgement is sad but it always comes with this sort of like You can't have it all. You can't
1: have it all. You can live in a cottage and kill yourself getting pelts all day and be independent and be your own woman and live as you want to live, air quotes, but without any free time. Or... A no hot D. A no hot D. Or you can just chill the fuck out and, like, let go of this need for independence and this need for, like, whatever and just kind of self-negate so that you can be with a man who can allow you to be a different version of yourself but still yourself, comfortable so that you can be Comfortable. You being comfortable is also determined by other people being comfortable with you.
0: Right. And that's the society move. It's almost like it's never an apology. I don't mean it because it's not that strong, but it's sort of like this like resignation where like you have to be safe in society. Yeah. And, like, you
1: have to be safe. Yeah.
0: This is pretty much the only way that you can do it. Yeah, And like this guy's pretty good. And look, he had like three emotional breakthroughs. I'm sure you'll have more. He
1: is the best option. Yeah. The hero is always the best option. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Sexiest part.
0: Rolling in the hay.
1: I've got to say my sexiest part was when she had the cottage to herself. And so she gave herself a bubble bath and then his friend walked in and was like, oh, hello. And she didn't get weird about being in the bath. She was like, what's up?
0: You certainly like having sex with Janie. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and they had like a nice conversation for me that was the sexiest part and I think it was written as a very sexy part Mm -hmm. because once again to go back to our weirdest part Joanna Lindsay loves the independence she does the being by oneself
0: I think like the discovery of self is really important to a heroine here because she does take that with her into the relationship further and so like the fact that her heroines spend a good deal of time alone without the hero after falling in love like there's this period of separation where there's a lot of deep thinking in bubble yeah. baths or other places yeah. is part of the work of like mellowing the heroine or at least giving her space to like look at her options soberly. Yeah. woolmancer or a nomance? Not
1: my favorite. Nomance. I would say it's a womance. I would actually recommend this book. Mm-mm. Why is it a nomance for you?
0: Uh, Until Forever is a better Viking <laughs> and to find out the heart lives out there in the world so uh, those would be why. I think like there's one too many rapes for me. Garrick's apology. His first apology is good, but his second one isn't as good. And I'm really sad by the end. The fact that she is a woman complete. I just like that. That was it for me. I'm like, that's immediate no man's. The boy was dead. I
1: think it's going to be a woman's for me. And the thing that I think is special about this book and makes it worthwhile totally acknowledge everything Isabeau said is is true for me as well in the reading of this book. But I would say the thing that supersedes it. Best adventures. Mm. Best fight scenes. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of them.
0: Best opening.
1: Always surprised me. Mm -hmm. You know, that first rape scene, the conclusion surprised me. The opening scene surprised me. I did not know where this book was going. I did not know who was going to be the mysterious woman on the horse. Mm -hmm. The way Garrick handled that and was like, you know, she's obviously mentally ill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was truly thrilling to read. You know, like I would say I liked other books better, Mm -hmm. but this was a book where, you know, I was sitting at my desk and I was like, can't wait for my lunch break. (laughs) Gotta get back into that book. It felt like reading, I told a coworker, girl I was like I cannot in good consciousness like recommend this to anybody because of the scenes of violence but this feels like reading Harry Potter to me mm. for, like you know I just can't wait to get back in it because of the adventure because of the surprises I mean just I have not read a romance novel that does those things as well and also like the bad feeling like mm. of, of adventure right when she realizes she has to go around the fjord I was like oh no you know yeah. like, the like the existential dread was mutual I like super super empathized with this heroine the way everything was described the way everything was laid out the structure of the book is impeccable It was impeccable
0: there are a lot of mic drop scenic moments like when she's at the fjord and she can see Garrick's house and she's just screaming I mean, Oh, it.
1: so much cinematic stuff even it's like so cinematic he gets that silver medal and then he's got the portrait of his friend's sister on the other side you know it sounds dweeby it is dweeby but the way she writes it is so good this is very cinematic I mean I, so I would it, definitely
0: watch this miniseries.
1: It's going to be a woe-bance for me.
0: We can disagree.
1: To bring it back, I've been thinking a lot about Legacy this week because Kobe Bryant passed away Indeed. Uh, in the helicopter accident very recently. I would say in the last like day or so, people have been remembering the rape trial in 2003 yep. around him. And I've been thinking about a similar thing of Legacy, and people have been talking about the complicatedness of that legacy and I think Joanna Lindsay is likewise has a complicated legacy you know we think about books like A Pirate's Love we think about her chic novels even some of the stuff like we've read for this month, Brave, Brave the Wild, Wild Wind, Wind Warrior's Woman to a certain extent. <laughs> this book I think we'll get into to a certain extent. We will has some really destructive ideas and kind of demonstrates the worst parts of romance, meaning, you know, the patriarchal through line of mm-hmm. the genre that can really surfaces sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that in no way lessens like this huge positive impact, books that she wrote that were so ahead of their time, these heroines that cannot be denied, like regardless of the, you know, content and the setting of the book itself. I've just been dwelling on that. I know that's just kind of a ramble. I don't know where
0: I'm going with that. I don't think that's a ramble and I think that's I think as we've talked about this whole month and like also With the Kobe Bryant case and everything that's happened with Me Too, one of the things that's been great about what's happened in romance is that the power of call-out culture is doing a lot of what it's supposed to do, which is calling power to account. And I think Johanna Lindsay's work speaks for itself Mm -hmm. in the fact that she was able to change. And I read an article about what we do with Kobe Bryant's legacy, especially like the good dad part and the support that he did for the WNBA, but also this rape trial and the harm done. And that you have to hold both things in both your hands and that we also have to make potential space for the idea that people do grow and change and can learn from horrific mistakes. One of the things that I think people have been asking recently in the media and in other places is like are you the worst thing you've ever done are you the worst thing you've ever written yeah and I think Johanna Lindsay Johan writ large is a really good way to ask that question at least yeah. for me
1: or a good way to start picking out the an answer right
0: because like it is a bit at a remove but it's also like as you said it's like the through lines you can really see the veins of the work here Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah. I think they are really relevant and I think they're pieces of each other and I think we yeah. should think about the ways in which apology and sincerity mm-hmm. and earnestness and change can all move together
1: now I, I do want to acknowledge there are some differences in the legacy in that I feel like prior to her passing the whisper network was that Joanna Lindsay was really influential and important but the like headline was rape books for her yeah, and kind of a joke we talked a lot about cover art and I would say Isabeau and I have always been on the side of loud proud clench covers but if people were going to make fun of something they would make fun of these incredible hand painted obviously I'm editorial (laughs) creations that denoted like a Joanna Lindsay. She had the best covers.
0: Yeah, she really did. Uh,
1: And there's kind of a reversing where with her passing people felt empowered to come forward and say, you know, and we saw it a lot on our Instagram, people coming forward and saying, I've loved every one of her books. Mm-hmm. There was something for me in each of those books. I'm going to reread, you know, the Mallory series. My first ever romance novel was a mm-hmm. Julianna Lindsay. We hear all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this kind of coming together and grieving and reflection has allowed people to acknowledge the importance of art that is also difficult. Are you you the worst thing you've ever written I would say yes but you're also the best thing you've ever written Mm -hmm. just like I would say Kobe Bryant is a rapist Mm -hmm. uh, was a rapist but also was a great father and the thing is is like we want things to be simple because we want it to be easy enough to shuffle the bad people out of our lives and out of our culture and Mm -hmm. keep the good people in but it's it's just not that simple
0: and it can't be because the human condition Mm -hmm. isn't and I think one of the things
1: that's so great about Mm -hmm. Johanna
0: Lindsay is that she never shied away from that
1: yeah with that
0: Loosen your stays.
1: But never your principles. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you. Whoa, golly gee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Womance is hosted
0: by Isabelle. That's me
1: And Morgan That's me Production is by Nick Gravelin
0: Our web mistress Is the incomparable Jane Bonsack
1: And our illustration And logo Were created by Mary Reichman They're the best
0: If you'd like to follow Creep Or connect with <laughs> us On our social Media platforms You can find us at Mans underscore Woe On Twitter Womans on Instagram Or Email At Womansmail At gmail.com. You can also Hang out out on our amazing website at womancepodcast.com.
1: You can support us by using our code to visit our sponsors or go to our Patreon where we are Womance.
0: Womance is officially part of the Frolic Podcast Network.
1: Discover more podcasts just like our own centering on romance and reading at frolic.media slash podcast. Until next week.